It's Wednesday, April 13th, 2022. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner again, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, what a time of the year. Philly season is underway. The Sixers playoffs start this week. Flyer season still going on for people to care to watch that. And the Eagles in the NFL draft are right on the doorstep. Pick any team you want to talk about, and there's the discussion to be had. Well, it won't be the Flyers that I'm going to pick to talk about. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> They've already packed it in for the season, I think. Uh, I know they're still playing games, but nobody cares, Bill. Uh, as for the Phillies, we're still waiting for the Bats to get going in earnest. After a 2-0 start, they suddenly lost four of the last five. The Eagles, hey, I'm all ears about them with the draft coming up. And, yeah, we got some 76ers playoff action coming your way soon, Bill. All kinds of stuff to talk about. And we got a couple great guests tonight to cover it. The former Inquirer Phillies and Eagles reporter Bob Brookover will join us. And in the second half, Inquirer.com Sixers beat writer Keith Pompey makes, Keith, uh, makes his return visit. Plenty to talk about, a couple experts to cover it. And, and Chad, I just got to throw in there now because I'm going to throw it in again. It's always good to talk to Keith because we get to talk about how bad the Giants are. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Can't wait to see Mr. Pompey later on. Uh, lots to talk about with both of these guys, Bill. And, you know, we got our guests ready to go, so let's get going. Let's go ahead. Let's welcome Bob Brookover back to Philly Press Box Radio. Bob, welcome back. How's retirement? <laughs> well, I'm trying to unretire, and that's not going so well. But, uh, <laughs> but not working. I'm I'm getting very good at it. <laughs> well, there you're you welcome go. to join us anytime. But the pay sucks. We don't we don't pay. So sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's uh, always Bob, a problem. <laughs> yeah, Bob, I got to ask you. We were all excited about this Phillies team this season, and they're not hitting the home runs and driving home the runs that we thought they would. Uh, they're three and three, and not looking all that good. What's your impression of this team so far? Well, I, I, you know, I think a six-game sample is just way too small to, to determine anything right sure. now. Uh, as you said, you know, the, the advertisement is that they're going to hit. Um, and I, I think they are going to hit. You know, Bryce Harper's not going to hit. Finally, at home run today. He's not going to hit 100-something. Um, you know, um, Kyle Schwarber's not going to hit 100-something. I don't think he's – seems like he hasn't got a hit since that leadoff home run. Isn't isn't true, but he's really struggled. Um, I, I, you know they are going to hit, but they also have holes. Um, you know, I, and we well they just had lost two out of three to the Mets, and it sure looks like even with Jacob Degrom not in the picture right now, that the Mets have a better pitching staff than they do. Yeah, um, you know, and, and guys that we maybe you didn't expect so much McGill. It, you know, really uh, pitched a great game the other day and ha has pitched well. Um, you know, they, they they made a great acquisition from the A's right before the the, the end of spring training. Uh, they they've got depth in their rotation, and I don't think it's changed. I don't care how much hitting you got; it's still all about the arms over the 162 game season. Absolutely. Um, 
at what point in the season, we've only two games in, we don't want to rush to judgment, but at which point are we getting concerned about Aaron Nola and the home run ball? Uh, it was a problem, obviously, last year for him. Um, you know, it seems like he's going along great so many times, you know, and he, he's in a groove, and then he, he gives up a home run ball. And in fairness to him, the, the, I thought this, the, the, I didn't get to watch the entire game, but the, the bits and pieces I was watching early, uh, Adrian Johnson's strike zone was just horrible. Uh, and that can take a guy out of a game, too. Uh, it shouldn't take somebody like Aaron Noel out of his game. Uh, but, you know, Aaron Noel is all about command and throwing three or four different pitches for strikes. Um, if he can't be that guy and he lets leaves the ball over the middle plate, he's susceptible to the home run ball. And if he's susceptible to the home run ball again this year, I mean, he could be looking at a, a second straight year like the one – when he had a year ago and the Phillies cannot afford to have him be there. No, of 2021, they didn't be the guy they saw in 2019. Yeah. It's concerning because he's doing the same thing that we've seen the last couple of years. He'll get two strikes on a lot of the hitter, but can't put them away. And before you know it, he's given up one or sometimes two homers every game. He's been a 500 pitcher the last couple of years and they need him to be better than that. On the but other I hand, thought, Zach, I, thought, I, thought yeah, was, I thought he was very good on opening day, but yeah, until yeah. You know, he gave up the late, the the, the three-run homer. But I thought he had been very good up until that point. Um, he, he's He's got it. He's something to watch. He's a really important piece of this whole thing. Meanwhile, Zach Wheeler didn't face a batter at all in spring training. Didn't, uh, you know, get the opportunity. It was a shortened spring training. He had some shoulder stiffness. He was a little under the weather. He came out of the shoot uh, with a rough first inning, but he got out of it and then looked really, really good. Just gave up that one home run ball. So is Zach Wheeler, do you think, going to have another good season? I think he should. I mean, from a stuff standpoint, he's arrived. I mean, he, you know, he, he's what we saw last season. You know, I know I know Aaron Noah was, I think, third in Cy Young voting in 19. Um, but Aaron is a very good and smart pitcher and has been good good in Philadelphia for a while. But Zach Wheeler is a different kind of animal. He, he's more in line. I'm not going to say he's Jacob DeGrom, but he's more DeGrom and Scherzer-like than, than um, uh, Aaron Noah is. And he, yeah. he's got the stuff to dominate when he's on. Hey, Bob, the bullpen has a whole bunch of different <laughs> names. Um, I don't know if they're going to be better names or, or not, but, uh, you know, it seems to me if, if the hitting comes around like we think it's going to, they're never going to be out of a game. You can't give up six runs in the bullpen like you did today. Uh, that gives you no chance. Yeah, you know, Connor Brogdon's a, a guy – that was so good last year, and that, you know it's the it's the old bullpen thing. You, those guys, these guys can be really good one year and not really good the next year, uh, but they do have veteran guys, you know, familiar, uh, Brad Hand, Canevel. Uh, that's three guys right there that are veteran guys. Uh, you, you had to love the way when Hand came in. Phillies take a five to four lead on on Monday night, and Hand comes in and. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good night. You know, three, three, three batters, three outs. Uh, I do like that. <clears throat> I do like a lot that he's a left-handed arm uh, out of that pen. 
and gives Joe Girardi some options to, you know, not necessarily to have one closer and maybe he's still going to, but I just think with that left-handed arm, there's going to be some nights where, Hey, you know, a, a left-handed arm who's been a closer that we're going to say, Hey, Brad, Brad hand, you're the, you're my guy today. I'm not going to worry about getting the ball to court. You know, I'm, I'm going to let you have it. Or, you know, and th- those are three guys that have all closed just on paper. The bullpen to me looks, looks like it's going to be improved. And if it, it has to be or, but you know, Aaron, you think Aaron knows the problem. If it's if the bullpen is 2020 or 2021 bad, uh, the streak is going to be 11 seasons. Yeah, I, I like what I saw from Knable in the opening day win. And uh, Brad Hand, as you mentioned, looked great the other night. And I know Sir Anthony Dominguez gave up a run today, but he's looked really good. He's been a really pleasant surprise. Is he going to be a guy, hopefully, you know, if he stays healthy, that can be that seventh, eighth inning guy almost, you know, four or five times a week? Yeah, I mean, there were there were times before he, before he got hurt that he, he looked like he was going to be the closer at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was When he was on a few years ago, for the injury, he was, that's, that was electric stuff. Uh, you know, again, that's an arm. If he can be anywhere close to where he was in, I guess it was 2019. Uh, if he can be anywhere close to that, you know, now you're talking about the makeup of a, a pretty good bullpen. Um, you know, it's still some questions about the rotation, but a, the makeup of a pretty good bullpen for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, Bob, before we get to the infield, because I think we're certainly going to talk about that, but I want to ask you as a baseball guy, what happened today uh, uh, with the Dodgers um, where Dave Roberts pulls Clayton Kershaw with a seven-inning perfect game, 13 strikeouts, and 80 pitches? Uh, as a baseball guy, a baseball fan and all that, uh, what do you make of that regardless of its week two of the season? Uh, I, I hate it. I mean, I just hate it. It's, Me too. <laughs> it's 80 pitches. You know, um, and I can see if it was 110 pitches here in a in this odd spring training that they had, you know, the abbreviated spring training. But 80 pitches, you, you gotta you gotta let the guy try to get a perfect game. Uh, there's so many things, so many things I, I still don't like. You know, one of the things in the Phillies' first six games I, I've noticed um, is that. You know, we got all these things put in the game to speed the game up, and they don't seem to be working. Today's was a perfect example, but four even hours. Last, even last night, the two nothing game. It took three hours and seventeen minutes to play a, a two nothing game. Oh, that that bothers me even more than a nine six hour game long. This game was today. I didn't even look what the time was. I know it was long, but you know they keep trying to do these things and none of it works. Um, now we're about to see a bunch of different different things. Um, but, yeah, an old-school baseball guy would have never never mm-hmm. done that. Uh, I, can, I can remember, and this isn't exactly related, but when um, – I'm drawing a blank here. Who, uh, who's the uh, – Steven Strasburg, when he was a rookie and they were taking him out of the rotation – because he had thrown so many innings and they were going to the playoffs and it wasn't going to pitch in the playoffs. Yeah. And I went to Roy Halliday's locker and I said, Roy, what would you have done if they tried to do that to you? He said, they wouldn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> this made it clear, you know, this is not how the game is supposed to be played in the mind of, of Roy Halliday. And, you know, that's, that's not that old school. That's, we're only going back 
12, 10, 12 years there, but you go back 20, 30 years and those guys just got to be, their stomachs got to be turning. Yeah. Well, Bill mentioned the infield. Uh, Reese Hoskins off to a pretty good start this year. Segura as well. He got banged up a little bit today, got hit on the wrist or forearm, but apparently it's nothing too serious. He's day to day. But the big question is third base. Uh, we've seen Alec Bohm. We've seen Stott. We've seen the other guy <coughs> market today. Um, how do you see that playing out? And what are they going to do with Bohm, who looks like he's doing a lot better as far as the at-bats this year, but still a real butcher in the field? Yeah, I mean, offensively, they've got a, a terrific infield, I think. A ton, a ton of depth. Uh, even Camargo, I mean, I, I, I really like Camargo as a – as a bench player because he can play all over and he, he can play them all well defensively. Uh, and he, you know, he's a potential offensive bat too. If he can revert to the form he had a few years ago with the Braves. Um, but you, you just, you have a lot of bats. I mean, I think Bryson Stott's going to be a hitter. Um, you know, as bad as uh DD's season was last year, he's still got a lot of pop and he's capable of hitting 25 homers. But you got to be able to catch the ball. Uh, you know, Stott had his problems over there at third base, too. Uh, they need somebody over there. I think Camargo can do it, but I don't know. I don't think that's the guy they want to be doing it. They want Alec Bohm to be the guy. I know they've, um, you know, this just from reading because I wasn't down there, but I know I know they spent a ton of time working with um, with Bohm at third base. Uh and then, you know, he, he does have a bat. He does have a big league bat. I really believe that last year offensively was an anomaly for him and that he's going to be a big league hitter. Uh, but but they, they only put in one DH. Uh, and, and they didn't put in three or four. The Phillies could use three or four. That would be yes. an excellent lineup. Uh, you could have 11 hitters and three or four DHs. But they don't. And they need somebody to play third base. Uh, I, I do. I will say this about Alec. You know, he had a really tough situation there after he was caught on camera mm-hmm. muttering those words. And he handled it very well. He uh, did. Extremely well. And then in turn, the fans also last night handled it very well. That was good to see both of those things that, you know, that, that it didn't turn into something even bigger. I, I don't know what surprised me more, his response to owning it so quick or the Phillies fans' response to accepting it so quick. Uh, it was – I didn't expect that from the fans, but to be honest. Well, I, I think they just appreciated his honesty, you know, it, it, because he did handle it that way. He said, yeah, I said it. You know, I think if he had tried to deny it or handle it a little different way, but I think because he handled it so professionally, uh, it really – it really helped him get past it very quickly. So what's your prediction for this season, Bob? Three and three is very small sample size, of course. But, uh, you know, they're going on the road now for the next seven games. It's a long season. Are they a playoff contender, do you think? They're definitely a contender. I, I think there's no doubt that they're a contender. Um, I, I think this is the best team that Joe Girardi has had uh, as manager. It's the best team on paper, they've had in, in a long time. Um, you know, the popular pick I know before the season was the Braves to win the division again, uh, saying, I, I, I think the Mets or the Phillies are going to win a division. I think the Braves 
letting Freddie Freeman go was a huge mistake. I don't think you can underestimate what Freddie Freeman means to a team, not just when he goes to home plate, which obviously is a ton. Uh, he was an MVP a couple of years ago, great, great player, but I don't think you can underestimate. Freddie Freeman was the Braves franchise for the last five, six years. Uh, and exactly I, what I said, Bob. And, and I think how, how many years in the well. they win the division? I, I, I know they won only one World Series. Yeah, I, I agree completely, Bill. They won only one World Series, but to, in order to win the World Series, you got to be in the postseason. And the Braves were consistently in the postseason with Freddie Freeman, the face of their franchise. And you know, he, you know, he wasn't just giving them professional bats, he was giving them a professional atmosphere in a clubhouse every night. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Bob, um, do we have a minute to talk Eagles with you? Sure. I don't know how much I can. Uh, well, we got some draft call. picks. We got, we got some, we got some draft picks coming up uh, a couple I, in the first round. Have you been following enough to have your eyes on uh, not maybe not necessarily a player, but uh, a position you think this team needs to go to, to uh, get to the next level? I, I would like to see them draft defensively. I would like them to, to improve their defense. I think that's, I think that should be their focus. I think they're a pretty explosive offensive team right now. Um, you know, they, they've obviously decided that Jalen Hurts is their guy quarterback. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I wasn't, I didn't mind that they kept Fletcher Cox, but I didn't think it was my reaction to Fletcher Cox staying wasn't, Oh, geez, you know, they got this great guy still. Uh, I think they need to get younger on defense uh, and they, they need to get edge rushers. I know Brandon Graham was a big loss last year, but at some point you got to say, okay, you know, kind of, it's kind of like Jason Peters at left tackle. He can't <laughs> play left tackle forever. And at some point you got to let it go. And they did. And that worked out just fine. At some point you got to, start looking at your the defensive side of the ball, especially on that defensive line, and say, hey, let's get younger. Love to see him draft a linebacker, but I've been loving – I've been saying that since uh, Jerry Robinson Jerry in 1978, Robinson. I think. And maybe I'm dating myself a little bit. <laughs> we know. <laughs> hey, Bob, uh, before we let you go, somebody wants to say hi to you. we got some guy in the waiting room who wants to say hello to you. Yo, what's hey. up, Bob? How you been, man? Keith, how you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm, I, 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 I'm, I'm sitting back here listening to you drop knowledge, man. I miss working with you. <laughs> well, you're killing it on the Sixers beat, my friend. Keep hey, Bob. It. Bob, tell Keith that the Giants suck in case he forgot. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. He knows, he, he, he I get a rant? He's a very knowledgeable sports fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah I'm, I'm one of those guys who are – because you know I'm a, I'm a Giants fan. Um, well, and, we know. Yeah, and they know. And and I'm the biggest <laughs> trash talking Giants fan. Like like that's loud, true too. Know? Well, here's the good news about the Giants, Keith. The Giants uh -huh. don't ever disappoint you like the Cowboys do, because you just know going in they're not going to be any good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> break your heart. Exactly. exactly. You know, it's kind of like it's, it's trust the process to be continued. You know what I mean? You, you can't always pull out the the four to one Super Bowl advantage though. You can always. <laughs> yeah, it's getting kind of outdated. Like, weren't you in elementary school? <laughs> it, is, it is, but it never – there's still Super Bowls. Hey, hey Bob, hey, Bob, the last time we had Keith on, he even pulled the pit card out. He started talking about the Panthers. Oh, the pit Panthers. Yeah, that's you know, what my, the Eagles should draft. 
the quarterback. The, uh, the, yeah, yeah. You never know. You want the quarterback? I hope not. Nah, I hope not. But but you know, not for y'all. But well, I'm, know, a Mich- I'm a Michigan State fan. That didn't work out so well for Pitt in the uh, bowl game. Nah, yeah, it <laughs> didn't. Not at all. <laughs> not that, sorry, all. Keith. That wasn't a setup. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. I, hate I didn't know. I honestly didn't know Bob was a Michigan State guy. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> hey, you Bob, thanks for back joining with us, us, man. Hey, great, great to see you, Keith. Great to see you guys. Take care. All right, all right, all right Bob. Great to see you, Bob. Thanks. Take care. Well, Keith, good to see you, my man. We're just going to go ahead and introduce you. Inquire Sixers beat writer Keith Pompey is back, and we're glad to have you. Whoops, oh, we lost him. There we there go. Hey, Keith. When you said back, you meant literal. Let's just send him back. <laughs> uh, you ready, Bill? Should we talk hoops yeah. right away? What the heck? Let's go. All right. Uh, the first thing we got to talk about is the MVP situation. Joel Embiid's had an amazing season, but by most accounts, he's not going to get the hardware. This is uh, something we saw online today. Looks like a lot of votes for Jokic, a few for Giannis, and not too many. For Joel Embiid. What's going on there, Keith? Yeah, did, did you see my name on there? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> oh, you did not. Yeah. Um no, those those were those were guys that have already gone public, supposedly with an article or something about who they picked. Okay. And, okay. And someone so, made a chart up of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, my thing is I, I voted for Embiid. And and let me stress this by saying this is the first time that I voted for Joel. You know, in years past, I felt like he had pretty good seasons, but due to injuries and other things, I felt like he wasn't deserving. You know, this year you look at the 76ers and the and the award is the most valuable player. Not the player with the best statistics, but the most valuable player. And if you take Joel Embiid off the 76ers, and I'm sorry if I'm going to offend some Sixers fans, but if Joel Embiid wasn't on the Sixers team, this team would be playing in the play-in game right now. They would actually be playing in the play-in game. I mean, there are times if we want to talk about statistics, I mean, think about it. They played a team, Charlotte, the Charlotte Hornets, twice down in in Charlotte, a two-game homestand. Joel Embiid had like 40 and 10, 39 and like 20, you know, stuff like that, just for the 76ers to beat that team. And and, and this is, we're talking about a team that was undermanned. He had to do that against an undermanned team. And this has been a storyline all season. So for me, seeing this and and i understand that you know uh um nicola Jokic and 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 uh enter the kupu Giannis enter the kupu have come on and played phenomenally down the stretch i think this is an award that goes over 82 games and from the start to the finish you know joel Embiid, in my opinion has been the most valuable player no argument here well, and and I guess I guess my question about this, Keith, is, is if you look at the stats, they are basically pretty much the same across all three guys. Um, but I always look at the next step is who won, how many wins did they get, and yeah. Embiid and Giannis both have exactly the same records. Their teams do. Denver is in sixth place. They lost just a few more games, but mm-hmm. that's how close this thing is. I mean, to me. Uh, Jokic would be the third, using my thinking, and then you could split a hair between the other two. Probably take Joel because he's our guy, but I wouldn't have a problem with the with a Milwaukee guy taking Giannis either because it's it's they're pretty much dead on. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you're right; they are pretty much dead on. 
But again, like when I look at Giannis's team, and 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 I get it, I just believe me, I get it. But they have Chris Middleton, who's a bona fide second All Star. They have Drew Holiday. You know, we all know Drew Holiday from playing with the 76ers. You know, he has been the X factor for that team. You also have a guy, and I know Brooke Lopez was injured for most of the season, but he came back, you know, and, and then you have, um, you know, Bobby Portis coming off the bench. You know, all four of those guys will be welcome additions, or three of those, we have four of those guys, will be welcome additions on the 76ers. So I get it. I know Giannis is, 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 the, is the best player on that team. You know, he's the type of guy that's always going to be in the MVP category, like LeBron James or Michael Jordan, you know, you can always make a case for that person winning it. But, you know, we're talking about, you know, for much of the season, the 76 or second best guy was Tyrese Maxey, a second year player. Now, granted, he's been playing phenomenal basketball, but he's a second year player that a year ago struggled to get in the rotation. So, you know, so when you look at it, you know, I again, we're splitting hairs. But I feel like on this particular season, Joel Embiid, for all the stuff he had to do, he is the most valuable player. And here's what, if we're going to throw out stats, you know, he's the first center since Shaquille O'Neal to win a scoring title. He's also the first center since the great Moses Malone to average over 30 points. He's the first center since Bob McAdoo in the 70s to win a scoring title averaging over 30 points so you know we're talking about you know uh this guy breaking records he's doing stuff and the 76ers haven't had a big man pit up stats the way he has since wilt chamberlain who's you know the greatest player to ever play the sport so when you when you factor all that stuff in everybody's going to throw up stats and everything but we're talking about the stuff that joel Embiid is doing is comparable to Hall of Famers when they were in their prime. So that's why he should be the MVP. Yep. I was going to go over all those stats. Thanks for covering it for me, Keith. I appreciate that. Let's get to the playoffs. Let's get to the postseason, man. Uh, It all starts this Saturday. Sixers hosting Toronto. Game one Saturday, game two on Monday. Uh, How do you like this series? A lot of people think it's got to be easy for the Sixers, but I'm not so sure. Toronto's a pretty good team. Yeah, I mean, whoever, like, I mean, you know, I think sometimes we get overly optimistic because we want our, you know, people want their team to do well. But when you look at this Toronto team, you know, we're making a big deal out of Matisse Thibel not playing, right? Well, the last two games, at least, huh? Yeah, the last two games. Yeah, yeah, on the road. The last two games that the 76ers played Toronto, they didn't have, Toronto didn't have their all-star Fred Vlamvee nor did they have their best perimeter defender and OG Obanobi. I just messed the man's name up and I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. But so, you know, he's in a quality three and D, but the only game that got me is that they won was the game where they won up and um, the Sixers went to Toronto and Toronto was playing without six players due to COVID. Right. And the Sixers like, Barely won that game. Tobias Harris had to have a 30-point triple-double, and Joel Embiid had to, you know, do uh, dominate. So when, to me, everyone says this is going to be easy, I feel like outside of the Brooklyn Nets, this is the toughest matchup for the Sixers. It just is. 
Well, Keith, I always I, th- I think I mention this to you every time we talk, and I and I say this every time we talk about Sixers, and it's chemistry or lack of chemistry, or do they play enough time together? Uh, we've added James Harden here down the stretch. Um, we saw a lot of up and down from Harden, I guess you would call it. Uh, have they played enough together to put this thing together and make a deep run? You know, I, it, it, that's the, the number one question. You know, I, I initially I would say no. You know, the, 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 the key part is I hate the playing games. I really do. I hate the playing games. But for the 76ers, this works out perfectly because they're having a, a training camp, so to speak, where they're getting these practices in, they're getting these reps. The Sixers rarely practice in the, on a regular season, but this time they're getting James Harden, they're trying, excuse me, James Harden, trying to get them more acclimated. They're trying to work on their spacing. They're trying to do other things. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, I, I don't know if, if uh, you know, I, I, when you look at this team, uh, you know, I, I see, you know, right now you have James Harden, you have uh, Tobias, you have Tyrese Maxey, you have Joel. And to me, you know, Maxey and, and and Tobias has to be a little bit more consistent. And you can say the same about James Harden, right? So when you look at that, I just think that they're going to have a tough time coming out of the East or even getting to the Eastern Conference Finals because, they just they're not deep enough and the players who they really need to depend on have been extremely inconsistent and I, I just don't think that they'll win it this year so James Harden's not the you know 30 35 point a game guy that he used to be uh does he still have enough left in the tank and how is the hamstring is he healed yet or is that still an issue for him well you know initially Doc Rivers said it was going to take about three weeks and then you know, three weeks was last week, and he said the hamstring isn't bothering him again. Now, I think that at, at this particular time, if we think that, like you said, he's not that same James Harden, I don't expect that same James Harden to come back. I think that James Harden is at his best now as being a facilitator and then hopefully for the Sixers being able to knock down a couple threes a game, right, but be a facilitator have better command of the ball. I don't feel like that with the, the way this team is constructed and, and also that he's getting a little bit older, his shot has been inconsistent. I don't think that that type of player that he was in Houston will, will get them out of the first round. I think, but when, when we go back to his, his play early on, when he was the facilitator getting everybody else involved, that's when the Sixers were at their best. Um, but the other stuff that I saw, you know, I, I'm, you know, I know they keep saying the hamstring is better, but he just doesn't have any lift. He, he a lot of times when he drives the lane, it looks like he's trying to draw fouls, and when he doesn't get it, he's grabbing the arm. You know, it just seems like he's getting a lot of trying to look for a lot of bailout plays because he can't make the same plays that he used to years ago. Well, I, I think you might have answered my my next question, but I'm going to lay it out to you anyway and and see if we got it. Uh, do, does the Sixers need do the Sixers need a game uh, every night from Joel where he's got 38 and 15, and Harden gets 12 and 14 assists, uh, or do they need to be able to have Joel at 28, James at 22, Maxie at 22, and that kind of scoring to to be able to win? I think the latter, you know, the, the thing is 
Joel can go do that. But if if I think like especially Maxi, if we see Maxi up in the twenties and we see James, you know, I don't know if James has to score twenty. I mean, maybe that it would be nice. But I think that the Sixers, if the ball is moving, that means if Maxie and them are knocking down threes and doing things like that, I think that they will be successful. I think, like, the best thing for the 76ers, um, the ingredient to win, is if we go to that Indiana game where they hit 23 threes. Now, I'm not saying they need to hit 23 threes, but it was one of those things where they had so much balance that where that opened up a lot of things. I feel like if Joel Embiid gets 30 or 40, you know, yeah, that's great for him. But at the same time, it's not going to help you if Tobias Harris has five points and Tyrese has 11. So, yeah, I think it's more of the latter. Now, Keith, it's only an issue eight to ten minutes a game, but the backup center situation. You got Paul Reed, you got DeAndre Jordan, and uh, Doc Rivers doesn't really like to answer that question. What do you think they should do in terms of the backup center for this first series? And as a side note to that, what do you think of Doc Rivers, the way he handles questions about that? He kind of berates reporters for asking, you know, saying, like, I know more than you guys. Yeah, um, let me let me get the first clip part of it uh, <laughs> first. Um, the, the thing is, you know, I, I think, like, it, it's a tough situation because, you know, you look at Jordan and he's a, a, a negative, uh, he's a minus when he gets on yeah. the floor. Always. You know, teams, yeah, it's weird. It's like a lot of times we talk about them blowing leads. Well, they typically start blowing the leads when MB goes out of the game. You know yeah. what I mean? When Jordan's on the floor. So it's going to be kind of rough. And and I think that, you know, unfortunately for the Sixers and unfortunately for Joel Embiid, you know, right now, and, and I don't, I mean this politely, I just don't have faith in anybody else to hold a lead. You know, you look at Paul Reed, you know, he's an athletic guy, but he's a foul waiting to happen right now. Yes. And he's, un- and he's undersized, too. So what is he going to do if against like a Brooke Lopez type guy? Right. That's the excuse me. That's the problem. But, you know, and, and so I, I feel like it's going to be one of those things. I hate to say it where we're going to see MB and he's going to go to the bench. And then next thing he's going to get like a like he'll go to the bench right before a, like a TV timeout or something like that. And then all of a sudden he'll come back, you know, because he'll be able to rest on the timeout. I think that they're going to have to increase his minutes, knowing a hundred wholeheartedly that if if they don't, if he plays the same amount of minutes that he's playing now against a quality team, that all they're doing is just bl- setting up for blow leads. So to answer your question, I think that, you know, we're going to see less of Reed. We're going to see less of um, uh, uh, Jordan, Jordan. And we'll probably see more of, of, of Joel. The second part, you know, with Doc, you know, is to me, you know, I, it's, it's a tough thing because I do get to berate things. And let's face it, I, I, th- I believe I was the first person who got into it with him, so to speak. <laughs> Yeah, he laughs right. Um, but it's it's weird. Um, I like Doc Rivers. I like him a lot, actually. Um, but I feel like that, and I was telling somebody this earlier today. I feel like this has been like a stressful situation for him. It's been a stressful situation for the team. 
And uh, it's, it's kind of sort of like, you know, you guys played sports. You know how, like, after the game, someone asked your coach a question or even before a game, if it was a tight one, they kind of snap out at people. And, and, you know, maybe you can do it a little bit better than what you're doing. But I feel like that's what's going on. Is it a good look? No. But at the same time, I, but when I when I see stuff like that, is letting me know that, okay, this was supposed to be the year. Like last year, they lost in the in the second round. They all kept saying, oh, we'll get it back. We'll get it together. We'll get it together. And you look at this team, and this team has taken a step back, actually, from last year's team. The only difference is Joel Embiid is playing at an MVP-type level. So when I see Doc Rivers doing this stuff, it's, to me, like, it's frustration. You know, and, and that's what it is. And, you know, unfortunately, nowadays, everything gets recorded and it happens. And, um, yeah, you know, sometimes you could do it a little bit less uh, abrasive, less seeming like you're attacking. But I think a lot of it has to do with the frustration mounting. Because let's face it, they're not going to say it's Joel's fault. They may not say it's James Harden's fault. They're going to say, hey, you're paying this coach $8 million a year and he can't get us out of the first round. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And and with all that said, back onto the court with Doc Rivers, uh, does does he have the skills to – I mean, he's got an all-time record that's, that's fantastic in, in the top bunch, but uh, can he take this team to the finals and win the finals? Um, I, I still question that player rotation. And, and as you mentioned, the bench is weak to begin with. Um, uh, and that rotation is going to shrink more as you get deeper in the playoffs. Does he have the wherewithal to make that happen? Yeah, it's, it's going to be tough for him because, you know, like the part of the thing is, you know, when you look at doc rivers in the past, he had a lot of veteran teams, right? He had like veteran players. This one is like young. And, and, and the problem is, Maybe that's part of the frustration. Like you look at a guy like, and, and I don't think he can do it, but uh, but partly is the bench. Like you look at a guy like a Shake Milton, he's a scorer. He's not exactly known as a shooter. He can knock down shots, but he's a scorer, but he can't play defense. Furkan can shoot, but he can't play defense. Like even when Matisse plays, like if Matisse plays, he could defend, but he can't shoot. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, you're at a huge um, uh, deficiency with everything. And you look at the roster, you know, George Niang became a really reliable player, but he was a guy who couldn't get minutes on the other teams that he was on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, I think that it's going to be tough for Doc. And like you said, he does have that record and everybody's judging him by that. But I also think that, I hate to say this, I, I think it would be, be tough for Phil Jackson too, right about now with this roster, you know? So, you know, but again, you, you asked a valid question. And if they do go out, a lot of people are going to look at his record. They're going to look at him and they're going to say, Hey, what happened? You're supposed to be doc rivers. But I do think that this, this roster has a lot of holes, a lot of holes. Keith, last question from me. Um, Who wins the Celtics nets series and, Will we actually see Ben Simmons on the court at any point? 
Let me answer the second question first. I mean, the way Ben Simmons, like, you know how he does, like, an emoji where, like, the mean face, well, he did that, and, and like, Twitter was, went crazy today because he did it at practice. So, mm. I mean, you know, who knows? Like, the thing is, I honestly think that Brooklyn is a dangerous team. But if there was one team that I felt like that could beat them and match them, I felt like it's it's the Boston Celtics, Hmm. you know, just because their players aren't as good as the big two. But at the same time, I I feel like the the Brooklyn doesn't have anyone who can defend them. And I also feel like Al Horford being a crafty veteran, I know he struggled here, but he seems like he's playing at a high level where he is now. So, and then Ime, see, don't, don't discount Ime Udoko. He was assistant coach here. He became an assistant coach in, in, in Brooklyn. Now he's the Boston Celtics head coach. So he knows exactly what KD likes, what Kyrie likes. So I honestly think that Brooklyn had a great year um, or a great turnaround to get back into play in. And they're a dangerous team. But I feel like that Boston is more their kryptonite than any other team in in the East. Nice. One final question from me, Keith. Uh, Who are your New York football giants going to take in the first round this year? Man. (laughs) They need help. They got holes. If they just traded their pick, (laughs) got a a veteran lineman. You know what? I, I I don't know. I haven't really been paying attention. You know, but you know what's going to happen once uh, the week one hap- uh, starts. That's when I'm going to come out of hiding. I'm going to have my Giants mug. I'm going to okay. say the Eagles are trash. But but right now, I'm just quiet. <laughs> quiet. Gotcha. All right, Keith. Well, hey, we appreciate you stopping by again. And uh, as always, let's do it again. And uh, good luck in the playoffs. Thanks, man. I hope it's not a quick one. But um, yeah. I think it might be. <laughs> yeah, I think it may be. No, no, no. Thanks, Keith. <laughs> Thanks, Keith. Thank bye, bye. Hey, Chet, is your couch getting more mileage than your car? If it uh, is, I hope not. <laughs> if it is, it's time for you to start saving with all states pay as you go auto insurance. Yeah, you know it, Bill. All states pay as you go auto insurance puts you in control. You only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers. Pay per mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with pay per mile car insurance by calling your local agent in Westchester, Pennsylvania. That is Dave Lavoie. Call Dave at 610 430 0700. Once again, 610 610- 4300700 and start to save more now that you are driving less. Hey everybody, it's Willie Nile here and you're listening to Chet and Bill on Philly Press Box Radio. You lucky people. All right, hey Chet, uh wanted to backtrack a little bit because we were talking Phillies and uh, you mentioned a few weeks ago about the Phillies new radio team. Uh, that's working with Scott Fransky. You had a chance to talk with Scott about that when uh, when you met up with him. Uh, it's about time, as the Phils are getting ready to hit the road shortly, that uh, we'll be hearing many different voices on your radio <laughs> lot, besides Scott in L.A. A lot of voices, Bill. 
Yeah. Our viewers will recall that we had Phil's radio voice, Scott Fransky, on with us last month to talk about this year's Phillies, but it was a taped in advance interview and I had to cut about two minutes for time's sake. Well, I'm going to play that two minutes right now because, yeah, the Phils are about to go on the road. And as you said, we're going to hear some new voices working with Scott this year. So uh, here's what he had to say about it. Hey, Scott, last thing. Uh, you'll be working with five different color analysts this season, L.A. at most home games. And then on the road, the Phillies announced recently that there's going to be kind of a rotation of four guys, Stalker, Bourne, Durbin, Kratz. Is it difficult to get used to the tendencies and pacing of different analysts from one series to the next? We're going to find out. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, and I honestly haven't even seen the schedule yet of when they're working, which games or whatever. So I don't know how many games in a row they, if they split up these road trips or, or how we're going to run it all. So obviously with the, the, the way the schedule was, you know, with the lockout and everything, they were kind of waiting to, to craft some of that. They had, you know, the, their theories in place, but I'm not sure they had it all set in stone until just recently. So you know, we did this a, a few years ago yeah. when we had three guys rotate on the road. It was kind of, I mean, for lack of a better word, it was kind of an open-air audition uh, between those three guys yeah. for, the, for the job. And it's kind of the same thing again, I guess. Uh, so I know uh, one of the things I tried to do when we did it three years ago, and even, I mean, you know, Larry and Kevin Franzen, who had done it on the road the last couple of years, um, they're very different people. And so the only thing I try to do is I try to always make sure that they feel involved, they feel heard, they, they have uh, opportunities to, to share their wisdom. I think they both look at the game differently in some respects. So I know what Larry likes to talk about. I knew what Kevin likes to talk about. And I try to highlight and, and steer them into those areas where they can feel comfortable talking about what they want to talk about. And um, so I imagine I'll just try to get to know these guys. I mean, I know them all, at least on some level, from mm -hmm. having worked with them when they were players with the Phillies. Obviously, with Stalker, we've done uh, plenty of innings together already. Uh, so that shouldn't be much uh, of an issue at all. So I'll just try to get to know these guys and what they like to talk about and, and let them, you know, let their personalities show, whatever that, whatever that sounds like. Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be interesting, I think, for us, the fans. Uh, Scott is the ultimate pro. It probably, you won't miss a beat with him, but uh, I think we're going to be, we're going to find it hard getting used to different voices. I loved his first answer, you know, to that question. We're going to find out. <laughs> we're going to find out. Well, <laughs> yeah. like I say, you're doing it with a couple guys, uh, you know, or three, and, you know, now we're going to do it with four. Uh, that, that, and I think, didn't Larry uh, decide he was going to cut back even more after yeah, that decision he, was He's made, only right? doing about 40 games this year, so 40 home games, mostly on the weekend. So we're going to see right. some of these other guys in half of the home games as well. So the right. schedule maker's got a job to do there. It's separating yeah. you know, how everybody's going to work. Getting everybody to the right place at the right time. All right. Well, it'll be interesting because uh, because listening to Phillies baseball on the radio is also pretty fun too oh it is I, I love it I love when I'm in the car and you know get to listen to Scott and LA and now four other guys too on occasion that's right all right oh hey Chet let's give a shout out to all the shows over at the edge of Philly sports network this week always something going on this time we're including draft coverage as well uh this episode is being streamed live on Facebook Twitter and all the others you can also check us on uh, our YouTube page of Philly Press Box Radio as well. Uh, don't forget, 
Monday's Broad Street Bully podcast, Talking Flyers. Tuesday, full-time Philly with Eric Williamson. That's a new show, uh, Talking Union Soccer. How about that, Jay? Mm-hmm. Tom Kelly joins Maddie B talking Philly sports on Tuesdays at 8.30. You have us early on Wednesday. Maddie B and Chris Diebler joining Big Al this week as Joey's on vacation. Tonight at 9.30, they'll be live. Draft week coverage is coming up, as always. Fighting Phil's finals. They're doing post-game shows almost every, every night or day. They did it this afternoon. And Saturday, the Patterson Avenue Fanatics. Breakfast for the boys. That's always great. Nine o'clock on Saturday mornings. Get your coffee and your donuts. So hey, speaking yeah. of Maddie, Maddie B, he's been a, a beast. Maddie B does his own show Tuesday night, and he's yep. the guy who's been hosting the post game Philly show after every single game so far. So, man, he's a workaholic. He, he is working hard, and unfortunately, I can't stay up that late, so I haven't been able to see the end of the game <laughs> because I get up too early. But I know. Uh, Hey, tell us about the draft, Chet. Uh, a lot of coverage going on. You you are going to be part of it. I'd probably be a little part of it from a distance. Yeah, it's a busy month for uh, NFL fans and Eagles fans, Bill. Uh, the rest of the gang at Edge of Philly Sports have big plans for our viewers and listeners. Great guests like Domo that we had last week and a couple of big ones coming up that I'll tell you about in a little bit. Plus, we put out articles every day on some of the draft prospects. And then, yeah, we're going to do some live on remote shows draft week. It all starts Thursday night when NFL round one draft happens. We coverage at the Delco Cup on Baltimore Pike in Springfield. So uh, come out and say hello to the Edge of Philly guys there. Then the following night, the second night of the draft, I'm going to be there at Marty. What is it? McGurk's Bill? McGee's? McGee's. <laughs> I can never remember. And we we got to get that. We got to get that logo out of there. For I you. know it's Marty McGee's, but I'm going to be there. I'll find it. It's 1110 Lincoln Avenue in Prospect Park. I'm going to be there on Friday night, the 29th. And then we wrap it up on the Saturday afternoon at the Red Lantern in Glen Oldham. Love that place. Been there a few times. So wall-to-wall coverage all this month and then live shows the 28th, 29th, and 30th. Come out and say hello to us. Yeah, and you mentioned the articles, Chet. There's, uh, they're posted on our Philly Press Box uh, Radio Facebook page. Uh, they're getting posted every day, and we're we're putting them up there. Uh, so you can probably see what there's probably been 20 of them already yeah, posted yeah. Of, of different guys that uh, some of us thought were going to be potential Eagles or high draft picks or local guys. We did some Penn State guys um, and where they're going to fall in the draft. So check that out. Uh, good stuff. Like us, hey, follow Bill, us. I got some real good news. Go. We only have 30 seconds to talk about the Flyers. Well, I'll tell you what, we might need more than 30 seconds tonight, Jeff, because although the Flyers haven't given us a whole lot to talk about on the ice, they did a great job. The organization did with Lou Nolan the other night, the 50th anniversary with the club, Eric Lindros, Bernie Perrant, Bob Kelly, all there to present Lou with gifts, special number 50 jerseys for the pregame, 50th, uh, 50-year patches were worn on the game jerseys. Uh, real nice job by the Flyers, and congrats to our friend Lou Nolan. Yeah, very nicely done on the part of the organization. Uh, Lou was very, very appreciative, of course, and as we all know, there's not a nicer guy in the business. So, again, congratulations to Lou Nolan. And, Bill, just one final question. Did the Flyers really lose a game 9-2 to two last night? 
Uh, I think it was like three, <laughs> wasn't it? But yes, they gave up nine, and uh, oh, and Ovechkin only had the first one. He didn't have any of the other eight. So, and uh, <laughs> it is eight o'clock. They're on the ice tonight against the Rangers back at the Wells Fargo Center. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm gonna miss it. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, great guest tonight at Bob Brookover and Keith Pompey. Who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week, Jet? Well, Bill, we got a couple of great ones for you again next week. We will talk Phillies baseball with the co-host of the High Hopes podcast. That is our friend Jack Fritz. I love this guy. He's so knowledgeable about all things Phillies, and he's going to join us for the first time in quite a while again next week. And, Bill, you're going to like this one. Our other guest next week, we will talk about an important upcoming fundraising event for the Women Against Abuse organization that this guy happens to be involved with. And he's also a guy who's going to talk a lot of Eagles with us and pro football talk in general, because we are going to be joined by none other than Troy Vincent, an all-time great Eagles cornerback who currently has a high-profile job with the NFL. Troy Vincent joining us next wow. week. Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, Very good. That? Very good. All right. Love it. All right, Chet, let's give another quick break and uh, thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more, they have small line rises with greater chances of winning. Check out their Facebook page, like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room. That's right, PPCC 118 Raz Room on Facebook. So, Mr. Chesco, parting shot or a random chat or just anything uh, from you today? A couple of deaths, Bill, in the sports world yeah. over the last few days. We, yeah, we lost former Penn State and NFL running back Gary Brown a few days ago. Brown played three years at PSU, and then he had an eight-year NFL career with the old Houston Oilers plus the Chargers and Giants. He also did some coaching in the pros and in college, most recently with the Wisconsin Badgers. But he had various health issues over the past several months, including cancer. And he left us. He was just 52 years old. Of course, we also lost quarterback Dwayne Haskins, the Ohio State hmm. star from a few years back. He was a high draft pick uh, by the then Washington Redskins out of OSU. And he was a backup with the Steelers last season. Well, he was killed Saturday morning when struck by a truck on a Florida highway. The specifics of that whole situation still not exactly clear. Haskins was just 24 his pro career wasn't going the way people would have hoped or expected, of course, but still, you hate to see something like that. Way, way too young, Bill. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Chad, if you've ever been down to South Florida, uh, 595, I-595 is a massive road down by Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. Why anyone short of being broken down would be walking on that road, especially at 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning, is just beyond me. There, there'd be no reason. There's nothing around there to, to do yeah. uh, to walk across that highway. And it's a sad, sad thing. And, and on Gary Brown, uh, Chet, one thing may not know, uh, he was the uh, running back coach for some guy named 22, number 22 that with, with a star on his helmet. Uh, oh, Emmett. Yeah. yeah. He yes, was a Cowboys right. running back yeah. coach for quite a while. And, uh, yeah, Emmett was one of his pupils. So, yeah, I saw uh, Jerry Jones did make some comments about uh, the loss of Gary Brown. Yep, so, yep. rest in peace. All right. Uh, you ready to wrap it up? Wrap it up, Bill. Okay. Let's thank tonight's special guest, 
Bobbrook over and Keith Pompey, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave LeBoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. For Jim Chechesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, April the 20th at 7 p.m. Well, we're going to have great guests. Woo! That's, I'm, I'm pretty fired up about that. Uh, you can listen on our Facebook page. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, and all the podcasts, Apple, iHeart, and all those others. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Let's go Sixers in the playoffs. Come this weekend.